Welcome everyone to FF Plus, a spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, and discussion. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me as usual is my co-host, Coles. Hello, hello. After some technical difficulties, we are ready to go. We had to shift tonight's recording because our regular recording tool was, I don't know, becoming a self-aware AI maybe or something. Uh, his name is Craig, <laughs> and he was just not cooperating. He was being a real dick, to be frank. But uh, yeah, so we're excited. We've got four movies to talk about, and here on FF Plus, our format is pretty straightforward. We'll talk about what we liked on each movie. We'll talk about uh, what we didn't like, and then we will give you a recommendation about whether we think that a movie is worth your time and or your money. And that's it. Simple, short, and spoiler-free. With that said, we're just going to go ahead and get right on in because we do have four of these to get through tonight. The first film we are going to discuss is called The Wonderful Stories from the Space Station. It's a documentary, and it features real-life astronauts George Abbey, Ken Bowersox, Katie Coleman, Samantha, Christopher Reddy, Frank Culbertson, Mike Fole, Scott Kelly, Sergei Krikalev, Tim Peake, Bill Shepard, Sergei Volkov, Koichi Wakata, and Peggy Whitson. And it is directed by Claire Lewins. What's it about? Personal testimonies from the men and women who've been part of the International Space Station. A remarkable achievement of technology, worldwide collaboration, scientific endeavor, and human bravery. Now, I'll kick us off with this one, Colesse, because I saw this randomly pop up, and this will happen occasionally. I get dozens of emails every single week for films for us to review, uh, most of which most folks will probably never, ever even hear of, and most of which are something that we would not be interested in whatsoever. But I am a big fan of space and a big fan of documentaries. And I was like, wow, this looks pretty cool. Like, I'd like to learn more about the International Space Station. I don't know a ton. And so we decided to give this a whirl. And I thought it was really, really good and very insightful. Personally, I gravitated towards, and yes, I use that pun on purpose, the fact that we get to hear stories from these real astronauts and the fact that it's not just the same astronauts that you might see all the time, that, that we really do get to hear from the international community of space explorers. <laughs> that being said, uh, I enjoyed a lot of celebrity astronaut Scott Kelly. I call him the celebrity because he he was in space and in the space station for a large amount of time, and he embraced social media. He was a link for me to learning more about the space station in general over the years because he just was such a frequent tweeter um, and it was really cool to have this guy up in space like participating in these social media platforms at all times with you that was really cool um, learning about the different cultural traditions around space flight was neat how there are some some really specific ways that the astronauts treat their pre-flight routines and things that they do it was neat to see, I think, how the progression of life on the space station went from when it first was built to what it is now. You know, the social media is, is one example of that because when the first space station was populated, you know, they, they would go from not being able to talk to anybody at Earth 
except for that all they could do is listen to American transmissions up to them. They couldn't really communicate back and forth all the way to like current day where they're able to get regular weekly messages from their family or, you know, talk on social media and, and use the internet. So that's, that's a really neat thing. And then one of the other things that I really loved about this, and I'll talk about the negative side of why this becomes a positive more in a bit, but this has really great music selections throughout. And I thought that it helped with the pacing quite a bit. And the music in the film, whether it's a background score or sometimes it'll use needle drops and specific songs, I thought it did a good job of capturing the emotion and just the awe-inspiring nature of space exploration. Did you like this one? I know you're not quite as big of a nerd about space as I am, so I'm really curious if it was as impactful for you as it kind of was for me. Anytime I go in to a documentary, I always try to give respect to the subject that's being talked about. For me, space has never been really something I'm truly interested in. I wouldn't consider it a passion. I do enjoy when I hear things about it, such as what the subjects of this documentary are talking about, these astronauts who they're ordinary people like us. They just had a dream to want to go in space, and they talk about their inspirations, and they talk about how seeing the moon landing in 1969 with Neil Armstrong and how that inspired them, inspired countless more people to become space travelers. And then we have the International Space Station, which in itself is a beacon of hope for humanity because it represents all of these countries coming together to create this one thing and all these different cultures and, you know, people and scientists and everybody who has come together to work in this pretty much the station inside of space, which is truly awesome when you think about it. It's revolutionary. And part of the reason I wanted to get to know more about that space station, how it was built, but I would get into that more with the negatives of the film. But Overall, I really liked this documentary. It gave me it gave me interesting tidbits about space and how astronauts get themselves prepared and you know, some of the uh, major events that have happened in space history. You know, many of the astronauts talk about that. They talk about the 9/11 terrorist attacks, which is a very interesting and fascinating sequence of the whole doc itself. And then you get these nice visuals, you get these almost stargazy visuals where you see space for what it is. It's this big galaxy full of planets and stardust and asteroids and comets and it's still mysterious at the same time we still have not really truly on earth everything there is to know about space and i think that makes it very important that documentaries like this are made no matter if the enjoyment you know is not at an all-time high i can still appreciate and love documentaries like this that are exposing people to new areas or new vineyards of careers or subjects that they may not have even thought about looking into maybe they want to look into more after seeing something like this yeah i'm with you i'm glad you mentioned the 9-11 thing because that is probably the single most memorable part of this documentary and it's the images that will stay ingrained in my mind having walked away from this there is an astronaut his name was frank culbertson who was on the space station and he was the only american who was off the planet at the time of 9-11 and I just I hearing him tell this story so close to the anniversary of 9-11 was especially impactful I think learning about what was going on from radio messages and 
seeing these pictures he took of the smoke and the tower collapse from space it, it was oh man it, it's it's something and and i think that that alone made the documentary worth it for me i did have a couple dislikes i, I would say th this is very long this is too long and the subject matter i don't think warrants it being this long unless you were going to expand the documentary's scope and go deeper into the creation of the space station and the maintenance and the technical aspects of the space station this is really just about the experiences of the people who were on it and at some point it gets really repetitive and i feel like it just starts to tell like you may hear the same sort of story coming from five six mm -hmm. different people and and so like yes all of their stories matter but when you're watching it like i said the music helps make it manageable but it definitely feels long and they they throw in these what i would call superfluous narrative reconstructions so most of the doc is you know it's interview and archival footage but then as someone's talking about their childhood, it'll go into this like Terrence Malick like recreation of somebody walking through the fields with the <laughs> sun, you know? And I was like, this is like too much, you know? I don't, I don't need all of that. It's powerful enough just to hear them talk and know that this person was in space. Like that's a big enough deal on its own, in my opinion. So I, I think that, you know, it was a little bit of a miss there, a little, little too ambitious. The length is a problem. I happen to have the misfortune of trying to watch this at 9 o'clock at night. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. And, and given that it was a weeknight, it wasn't even a, on the weekend, it was kind of a struggle because, like you said, it kind of bogs down to a certain structure and it repeats itself where uh, one astronaut comes up and talks about his experience, then sure, okay, here goes a new astronaut talking about his experience, and then boom, boom, boom. And we never get into the aspect of how the International Space Station was designed or built. Like, I was looking to have scenes where they were showing the original designs of it, how they planned to make it look the way it looked. Like, what did the astronauts think about it? Did the astronauts have a hand in it? Like, how was this built in space? I would have loved to see that. It, it, that was the most interesting thing about it when I first saw it come into my inbox and you had brought my attention to it, but we never get any of those moments. It's pretty much just based on interviews, which is not a problem. I'm not here to downgrade or do a disservice to any of the astronauts' experience on that ship, but at the same time, you know, this is, this is the International Space Station. This is something that should be, you know, more talked about in the current spectrum because it is a wonderful human achievement and we really only get just a few little nuggets about it and not the nitty gritty into how it was built and what is it resort what its use is you know as far as for space astronauts and the importance of it i just wanted more of that it, it, it's a it's a nice it's a nice documentary it's something that if you have a passion for space and if you're interested to learn about something new and if you're even just a documentary watcher it's nice to give this a watch but i, I couldn't come back to this you know, unless I found a newfound interest of wanting to go to space and I wanted to change my career, which at 30, that seems a little bit too late. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I believe in your dreams, man, but I don't know. <laughs> might be, you might be, yeah, coming up against it at this point. Well, this film is in theaters and streaming on VOD beginning on September the 17th. So I ask you, Coles, theater, couch, or no thanks, what do you recommend for people who would, should they check this film out? 
this is for the couch. In theater, unless this is on IMAX and you just love going to see IMAX films, then maybe I would give it a nudge to go. But otherwise, this is a couch film, and that's fine. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. And the reason I'm going to agree is that I don't actually think that for the – it's over two hours, right? It was like – it was a little over two hours. 129 minutes. You Wow. He did, this man remembers the <laughs> exact account. I remember this. the time. Um, yeah. It – for 129 minutes, there's not enough of the incredible aerial space and, you know, earth footage to make it worth it, in my opinion. Because the majority of this is do- is interview footage and, and archival footage, like, inside the space station. Yes, there's some uh, EVA where they're walking around outside of it. There's some definite great shots, but it, it the majority of it doesn't make that up, so I don't think because of that that it's necessary to see it in the theater you might be better off in a theater simply because it it's probably going to keep you awake a little easier that could help so if you're that person uh who is prone to falling asleep maybe just don't watch it at nine o'clock at night maybe watch this one at <laughs> home in the in on a middle of an afternoon on a saturday or something but yeah I, I mean i definitely think it's worth checking out and if you love space i think it's a must see if you're if you're like me and you you know live and die by all the science fiction space movies you love hard realistic science fiction that that is accurate and you or you have a passion for like nasa and the and actual space space exploration i think it's worthy of a watch okay next up so we got a couple films that we did not get a chance to both screen so we're going to take these one at a time first one will be just me and that is everybody's talking about jamie Starring Max Harwood, Sarah Lancashire, Lauren Patel, Shabna Gulati, Ralph Ineson, Adil Akhtar, Samuel Bottomley, Sharon Horgan, and Richard E. Grant. <laughs> it is directed by Jonathan Butterell and is written by Tom McCrae. What is it about? Jamie New is a 16-year-old who doesn't quite fit in. Instead of pursuing a traditional career, he dreams of becoming a drag queen. Uncertain about his future, Jamie knows one thing for sure. He's going to be a sensation. Supported by his loving mother and amazing friends, Jamie overcomes discrimination and bullying to step out of the darkness and into the spotlight. All right, so I love musicals. That's part of why Coles was not super interested in this one. Uh, and I, my first takeaway from this positively is... I don't. I didn't, haven't been watching trailers, as most of you who've listened to us for a while now will know. And so, I turned it on. It starts up, and oh my God, they're British. I had no earthly idea this was set in Britain, and I love that. It immediately reminded me of Anna and the Apocalypse, and that is like an all-time favorite for me. Just, just the the vocals of the the characters, and I, and I really enjoyed the setting in general. I think. There's just something about a British setting that, that excites me. And it's different. It's unique. It, you know, it pulls you out of the typical American routine that we see in most of the stories that we come out of Hollywood. Um, I think this is a really good musical. It's very solid. I think the most important thing about it is that it is a unique story about someone wanting to be a drag queen. And it makes an effort to normalize that and show that you know it's just as worthy of a dream to be something as an astronaut or anything else you could possibly want to be 
the film has an overall I'm going to steal this phrase from uh, our fellow film critic and SFCS member, Sarah Fetters. She said, it has a spirit of kindness and acceptance, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. The tone of this movie is just all about those things, and, and it really is boisterous, and it has a joyfulness to it. Now, the character of Jamie goes through lots of crap, and I think a lot of that is very realistic. Yes, he's bullied. He doesn't have a loving father who kind of judges him for his choices and he has to deal with school discrimination as well but he goes through this period where he actually is not always just a victim he can lash out at people as well and he can treat people wrongly and rudely and I, and it reminded me of the reality you know hurt people hurt people this is a boy who's being hurt on a repeated basis. And, you know, at some point, you a lot of times people will lash back out at others. And so watching that story play out was enjoyable. Um, the, the songs are good. It's very modern, musically speaking. It, it touches on a couple different types of genres. A lot of it sounds like, you know, an Elton John type of musical. Or what was the Elton John biopic? Rocket Man. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds a lot like Rocket Man at times, uh, musically speaking. The performances are really good. Max Harwood as Jamie is outstanding. I can't wait to see what he does next. And Richard E. Grant, he's not in this very long. He plays Jamie's mentor and a local vintage clothes store owner, but he's brilliant. He He's absolutely just illuminous in his limited screen time. He's just an amazing, amazing actor, that guy is. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a coming-of-age high school musical about a queer boy. And, I, you know, you don't get to see this very often. And so I think it's it's got a lot going for it, uh, in my opinion. It was very enjoyable from start to finish. My issues with it are not necessarily major. It's just not got any sort of memorable songs for me. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if some people found some of these songs memorable. I'll tell you what, the people that this movie is representing that are seeing themselves for the first time, I think that they very well may relate to these songs a lot differently than I do, right? And so I think that that could be very strong for them. But for me, I just didn't find any of them to be superstar type of music numbers. Um, and then it's just not subtle. It is extreme by the book and I think that that could be an issue for some people you know when it comes to that Cinderella I mentioned this before Cinderella is pretty much you know it's not subtle either it wears its themes on its sleeve and it wraps up with a nice neat bow and Jamie does something very similar to that and it, you know it it's super predictable so you're not really going to be surprised by anything that happens in this movie. And I just, it was kind of like, it just, it's hard for it to be anything more than just a nice watch when that's the case. But I really liked it. And I would say that, you know, it is well worth a watch. It is in theaters now and also streaming on Amazon Prime Video starting on September the 17th. So I personally don't necessarily see this as a theater worthy type film for me i you know i would watch it on the couch and if you love it 
it's right there, right next to Cinderella, actually, on Amazon Prime. And you can watch both of them, or you can just watch them both on repeat. So I think it's definitely a movie worth seeing. So before we move on, I also want to give a quick shout out to Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is now out on 4K disc. Got a copy of this from Warner Brothers. Thank you very much. And had a chance to watch through some of it. Give it a look. Give it a listen. The 4K HDR10 transfer is gorgeous. So the film already looked amazing on HBO Max. And as you can imagine, it looks even slightly more crisp and better when it's coming to the disc version. It's got an Atmos audio mix that also just really shines, I think, when it's coming out of the disc version. Uh, you know, it's a slight upgrade over the HBO Max version, but it's something that if it's your favorite type of film and you're going to watch it multiple times, we're always going to advocate for owning physical media when it comes to the things that you really care about. Because at any moment, Warner Brothers could be like, yeah, we're not going to have that on HBO Max for the next year or whatever the case may be. Um, this is the best you can get when it comes to owning this. And especially for something like this Justice League recut where it's got a legion of hardcore fans. If you're one of those people, you got to get this. It's awesome. It does have one special feature, which is a short 24-minute documentary called Road to Justice League. It is a little bit of a retrospective kind of featurette. And frankly, I was upset. Uh, I think it's kind of not valuable to be honest and for a movie that is this long and that we waited this long to get to come out and have this price tag for the 4k version because it's long and have nothing like no commentary no behind the scenes footage really no alternate endings none of that stuff like I, I get th there's probably a reason for that. Like the studio and Zack Snyder are, you know, they were beefing the whole time getting this made. So it's probably because of that, that this stuff doesn't exist. But it makes me wonder, like we, we ultimately, we got this movie. Are we ultimately going to get the more substantial version where we get all this extra material that Snyder has and a commentary because he does care about this so much. So I would be a little bit nervous about that if you only want to purchase it one time. So I got to admit, like, I'm disappointed in the lack of special features. I, I think that's a real miss. And that is primarily one of the reasons that I personally buy physical media is for the special features. So yeah, kind of a bummer. But the movie itself looks and sounds as good as it ever will on this 4k transfer and so i and i can recommend that wholeheartedly all right next up is the movie blue bayou let me see this is the one that i was not able to get to unfortunately i'm a little bummed because i'm a big alicia vikander fan I have a major crush on her and so i wanted to see what she had going in this next one but we're gonna have to hear from Coles because he made it and i didn't this one stars justin sean Alicia Vikander, Mark O'Brien, Lynn Don Thom, and Emery Cohen. It is written and directed by Justin Sean as well. What's it about? 
Antonio LeBlanc is a Korean adoptee raised in a small town in the Louisiana Bayou. He's married to the love of his life, Kathy, and raising his beloved stepdaughter, Jessie. Struggling to make a better life for his family, he must soon confront the ghosts of his past after learning that he could soon be deported from the only country he's ever come home. Called home, excuse me. So it seems like a pretty relevant plot to the realistic nature of living in America the last few years for some immigrants, Coles. Um, How did this work out for you? The heart is in the right place. That's the biggest credit I can give to Blue Bayou. It talks about the big hot and butted issues we have today, whether it's from racism, whether it's from immigration, and whether it's from the way that we look at people who come to our country. You know, we used to think that America was a melting pot and that it was welcoming of all people. But now that we see in recent times, that has become a place in where people who come here, they have to come here under strict stipulations. They have to be the good immigrants, you know, because most of the time, the view that we have on immigrants is that they're aliens, they're illegals, they don't deserve to be here, they're a waste of taxpayers' money, that's what we all hear. And this film kind of holds a light and shows us that, you know, these immigrants are Americans. They are a part of America. Um, the lead character, Antonio, this film is mostly through his eyes. And Justin, and Justin, the actor, I have to give him credit, man. He nails the Louisiana accent. I grew up a Georgia boy, so I know all about country accents and um, down home, you know, twang and everything. He had that in this role, and he mastered it pretty well. So good job for him on that. So we see the film from his eyes, and we're seeing that the guy, he's down bad. You know, he has a baby on the way. He's in a relationship with Alicia's, Alicia's. That's the way you say it, right? Alicia? I, I want to make sure to get it right, because this is Alicia, your crush right here. So. Alicia Vikander. Okay, Alicia. So he's with Alicia. She already has a kid, and she they have a subplot with her, and she's having issues with her baby daddy. And then we have also Antonio. He's a guy that he's looking to try to get another job. So you're seeing that he's already struggling. He's trying to make a better life, and he's very optimistic. And then there's a scene early in the film where we see that his livelihood gets threatened because he gets arrested by the cops. And all of a sudden, they look into his past record, and now they want to deport him back to his home country. And along with those problems, Antonio is also facing trauma from his past. There's mention, there's a lot of little mini flashbacks throughout the film that mention that he was abandoned by his parents and that he was adopted, but he also suffered abuse by his adopted parents as well. And he's fighting against that. He hasn't come to really let that settle in internally. And so... If you're looking at this film based on Antonio, I mean, his drama, his character arc is pretty compelling. And it does bring up important points to the hot social issues we have right now. And I love that this is also based on a true story. And it kind of gives you a little bit more seriousness when you're sitting there and realizing that a person had to deal with this and had to fight through this. And it kind of hurts you a little bit more. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh... I'll explain in my negatives that I wasn't the biggest fan, but what I can say is that by the ending, I kind of was a little bit torn in my heart with what happened to Antonio's character and to his family. Jumping off of that, I'm going to go straight into my negatives. This film doesn't really separate itself from any of the other family dramas that you see out there. There are a lot of cliches and a lot of tropes that this, a lot of tropes that this film plays with and uses to its disadvantage. And this is another case of 2021 being the year where the message is right in front of your face. There's no subtlety. There's no subtext anymore. People just 
immediately put their aims and their messages right there, face value, for you to see it, but not for you to understand the complexity of it. Yes, it's nice to talk about immigration. It's nice to talk about, yes, Asian Americans are still being discriminated against. They're being treated bad. But when you're just only showing scenes of people being beaten up or people being called slang terms or seeing ICE agents come and raid neighborhoods and take people away, like, yes, but we've already seen that. We've seen the news over the last few years. We've heard personal stories of that ilk. But I was looking for more complexity. I was looking for a more deep dive into this topic, get into some of the systemic issues that people are facing when it comes to immigration, get into some more of the deeper issues that are plaguing the Asian-American community when it comes to the way that they're treated and how they ha most of them have achieved the American dream, but they are still seen as unfairly being seen as refugees or being people that come over here and getting a free ride. And the film doesn't really go deep into that. It focuses on the family. But the family is just a mismatch of character archetypes. Of course, Antonio, I can understand that his character drama is compelling, but at the same time, I've seen this before. I've seen the guy who is down on his luck. I've seen the guy that's been hated, that's being hated by his girlfriend's mother and won't give him a chance to please her. I've seen the guy who has a kid on the way and is struggling to find a job. He has to turn back to a life of crime. I've seen all of that before. I, I need a little bit something different. And Alicia... She is a great actress, but she doesn't get any favors done in this film, and I don't blame her for it. I think, honestly, it's the directing and the writing, because all she is just playing is just the wife. That's all she is. She is only acting in service for Antonio's character. She's never really given anything else to do except having a constant bibble and babble fight with her baby daddy throughout the whole film. And the way that they give her character a kind of a crowd-pleasing moment at the end it's corny. <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to explain it out because we're spoiler free, but just let you know it's corny. And why is it that every time we have a film dealing with racism, we always have to have that racist cop character that comes into this film who's very goofy, who's aloof, who's dumb, who talks about nonsense, and all they're good for is just for beating up minorities on screen. It it it's the same thing. Like I keep telling you, it's the same thing we constantly see. This racist cop I honestly thought this guy should have been in Super Troopers. Like, I think you're in the wrong film, dude. Like, you act like more <laughs> of a guy who should be in Super Troopers. Oh, my <laughs> or gosh. In a, or in the new Chips remake. Or in a spoof film on cop films. This wow. guy comes in, and the first lines he talks about is him ordering premium sausages over eBay. And he shows his friend a picture of a sausage on the phone. And I guess it's supposed to be a funny moment. But nobody in the audience was laughing, and I wasn't either. Another thing this film does is that it will interject random moments of just crass humor for the sake of being crass, and it literally takes away from what this is supposed to be as a drama. I can understand showing a person with their friends and showing that environment and showing, you know, just little signs of humanity, but it really kind of dwells into like this, this like fest of who can cuss the most in, certain, in a certain of these scenes. And the editing. The editing, sometimes these little jolts of like visions and flashback that Antonio is having and it's hard to understand whether it's happening right now or is this a flashback or is this something he's thinking about is his imagination it's hard to really focus and really understand what his character is thinking about at most times the only thing you really just get to see his struggle is right there in front of you and all the struggles he goes through there's not many happy moments in this film and I can understand that it is a drama story. It's very dark. It's supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be something that's supposed to make people think and to see the problem that's going on with immigration in this country. But it's a film that 
really doesn't do anything different. It's very melodramatic, especially the ending. The ending, I kind of cover up my face because of how dramatic it really goes and the music swells up and everything. And at the end, I didn't really see any need to come back. I I can understand the director. He adapted this from a true story. More power to him. And also, hey, this is something that doesn't even be talked about. There are people who are right now getting deported, who have been in this country for years, and all because of a technical mishap or because of the unfair laws that are given to immigrants in this country, they're not able to stay. That's a good message, and I respect that. But as a film, this film just operates on things that have been done before and have been done better. And I wish this should be an Oscar film. This should be a film that should be competing for best picture or best director or best screenplay. And I fear that this is just going to be another film that kind of goes along its way, that path that is here, grand opening, and then leaves just as quickly, grand closing. Wow. Well, this is grand opening in theaters on September the 17th. Uh, I think I know what you're going to say, but would you recommend folks go check it out? No, I would not recommend this for theater. No, no, no way. But I would recommend this if you do care about immigration and looking to find ways to understand the plight of people. If you if you have a privilege, this is a good film to watch to understand how bad some people have it because of the unfair discrimination system and systemic issues we have in this country. It will be a good watch for that. It will be a very good, informative watch for children. I mean, it's an R-rated film. And there's a lot of language in some adult situations. But the subject... I mean, you cannot dispute that the subject is important to talk about. It's just that the film is nothing more than just generic at right. best. So wait for it to come out on ability to rent it or on a streaming service. Yeah. And then give it a yeah. watch so you don't feel like you're wasting much. Okay. Sounds good. Well, I mean, I guess I'm a little less bummed that I missed it now. Maybe I <laughs> actually, you know, lucked out in a way. <laughs> <laughs> Well, last up, we have a movie called The Alpinist, and this is another documentary. It stars Marc-Andre Leclerc, Brett Harrington, Alex Honnold, Reinhold Messner, and Barry Blanchard. It's directed by Peter Mortimer and Nick Rosen, who also were responsible for the film Meru, for you other climbing movie fanatics like me. What's it about? Uh, I, I lied. They're not responsible for Maru. They're responsible for the Dawn Wall, which I'll get to. What's it about? Marc-Andre Leclerc climbs alone, far from the limelight. On remote alpine faces, the free-spirited 23-year-old Canadian makes some of the boldest solo ascents in history. Yet, he draws scant attention. With no cameras, no rope, and no margin for error, Leclerc's approach is the essence of solo adventure. Nomadic and publicity shy, he doesn't own a phone or car, and is reluctant to let a film crew in on his pure vision of climbing. Veteran filmmaker Peter Mortimer from The Dawn Wall sets out to make a film about Leclerc, but struggles to keep up with his elusive subject. Then Leclerc embarks on a historic adventure in Patagonia that will redefine what is possible in solo climbing. So, I, I've got a history with this type of film and this type of documentary, uh, so I want to get your your thoughts first on what you liked about it, and have you watched anything like this before? Is it kind of your first introduction into this type of sporting documentary? I feel so bad for putting off 
watching Free Solo for this long. This film has made me want to go back and do watch something like Free Solo and any other rock climbing um, films like this because it's incredible. Not just incredible because of the feats of what this young guy is achieving, but also because of his attitude and his um, need to do this just based for the pure adventure. He's not worried about attention. He was even very hesitant about having a film crew come and film him. This is a guy who is doing this purely out of passion, out of love, out of like a childlike fascination. It's beautiful to see because we live in a generation where it's all about being seen. It's all about, hey, I can do some good in the world, but hey, if I can put this on an Instagram video or a Snapchat, then everybody would get to see it. They'll get to know how good I am. People are doing things out of wanting to be seen instead of doing things just to do them. And this guy is climbing mountains, just like massive mountains. And he's not worried about any attention. He could do this without anybody. He would have still been doing this if no camera crew would have came to film him. And that's and that's something that I salute to. And the documentary is great because we get to see these these intense scenes where Martin is, is, is documenting his climb. And every time I saw them, like I literally was sweating. I was sweating like I was almost climbing with them because... It takes just a little bit, and he talks about his process. He talks about that he he really just only climbs a mountain just based off what he sees. He doesn't do any pre-preps. He doesn't do any practice. He just goes straight to the site and starts climbing. And this guy is, like, putting his axe into the rocks, into the ice. And the whole time I'm thinking, like, please do not let this ice break. Please do not let this rock chip away. <laughs> because so many things could go wrong because – yeah talks about how the mountain is unpredictable you have to almost have to read the mountain you have to feel the mountain in order to make a successful climb and him being able to do this in his sleep like this dude is literally like 70 or 100 foot off the ground and he's not panicking he's not nervous he he almost it's almost like child's play to him like taking candy from a baby and it's incredible it's incredible i think that's the reason why we have fascination with with extreme athletes or any athletes at all because they're doing these feats that are almost like superhuman like at times and this guy he's almost like a modern day superhero when you think of the things that he's accomplishing and seeing how his family is willing to stand behind him and support him and his girlfriend they were climbing mountains together that was that was awesome you know seeing um couples in love and being able to share in that passion is a it's a great thing to watch and i just found myself smiling a lot during this film and then smiling and then also just worried about Martin's safety at the same time. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I agreed completely. And it, so I do encourage you to go back and watch that. I love that Alex Honnold is in this, and he's not in it a lot, but Alex Honnold is the star, star, or the, I don't want to call him the star. He is the feature of Free Solo. It's about him. Um, and that was one of my favorite documentaries of all time. And I did interview Alex back in Minnesota 53. So if you're listening to this and you haven't heard that interview, by all means, go check it out. It was one of my highest points so far in my podcasting career. I loved it. But I like hearing from him because he is the recognized kind of goat of free climbing, essentially, if you would call him that. And his fascination is with Marc-Andre Leclerc. So it's like if Michael Jordan was being interviewed and he was like, Kobe Bryant, that's that's the guy that I'm impressed by. That's the, that's the kind of parallel we're working with here. So there's a lot of weight that comes on that. And that tells you just how incredible this guy is. Uh, yeah, the, the free soloing 
it's like free solo Arctic edition is what I would call it because Mark Andre climbs normal mountains, but he does have kind of a desire to go out into these Alpine, you know, snowy areas. And it is, you're right, Coles. I mean, so I've seen free solo and IMAX. I would recommend, and I'm going to cheat and say early, but you need to go see this in IMAX because the the vision, the visuals that you get of a guy literally hanging, you know, tens of thousands of feet above the ground from ice axes, pickaxes. I mean, he's Lara Croft. He's Tomb Raider, essentially, is what he is. And he's just dangling, just dangling there, catching his breath. I mean, I don't even know how you have the arm strength to do these things. It's just incredible to me. But the anxiety level you get when watching this and you know at any moment that if he falls, he's dead. Like, I mean, there's no question about it. Like, it's not a maybe. It's it's an inevitability. And you get to experience the directors who even express their own anxiety while filming this. They have they wrestle with the morality, the ethical nature of what they're doing because they want to capture this guy. But they also understand that by putting cameras on him, they could be creating a situation where their friend is facing a pressure that he's not used to that could lead to a mistake that could kill him. And it could be captured on camera, you know. So I can't even fathom, like, that feeling that they have going into this. But this guy is – it's just so fascinating to learn about him and to to see his girlfriend that loves him. Like you mentioned, Brett, who also is a climber, and, you know, they – they're off the grid. They live in a tent largely most of their life, you know, for a big portion of their life out in the woods. These people are not like us. And I think that's what makes them interesting. And the the documentary like this is so just, it's wild because they, they're capturing something that is incredible. This act that eventually, you know, it's kind of, the film is building to this big, massive climb. And we all want to see that. We always want to, we all, we all want to see him succeed. But for Mark Andre himself, you mentioned it, like he goes off the grid at some point during this documentary. They literally lose him and have to try and track him down because he's just like, nah, I don't want to do it anymore. You know, like I'm getting nervous and I just, I just don't want to deal with these cameras. And so it's, it's almost like, you know, sending a camera crew out into the Amazonian rainforest to, capture these native tribes that have never been discovered or something like that it's really interesting and the mindset of a guy like Mark andre a guy like alex honnold they're different um they both say something in their individual documentaries that is similar they both basically say they don't have that button in their body in their brain that creates fear so where you or I, Coles, would get a certain point above the ground and, and our brain would go, no, ding, 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 ding. Like These guys literally don't have that happen. It, it's not there. And it makes sense to me because if you had that, you don't just overcome that. Like you can't just – if you have that fear, you don't just push through it. You'd make a mistake. Like you just have to not – It does. it's very special, different kind of – body chemistry that they have going on. Um, and I loved it. I love seeing this guy that just loves what he loves and it doesn't matter. He doesn't care about stuff like cell phones and he doesn't care about stuff that the rest of us would. He just wants to go out and enjoy the life that he has, no matter how long it lasts. Um, and it, there's a real 
spark there and something to something to learn from that even if we we personally wouldn't do that i think the movie presents us a good opportunity to look at ourselves because when you watch this i think you will naturally find yourself starting to judge him one way or the other and you'd be you'll be you'll either say i think he's wrong i think he needs to care more about his family and his friends you know why would you waste your life or i think you'll see the people around him that love him and you'll go you know what this dude is living his best life and whether it's another day or whether it's 50 more years he did it his way and that's to be honored and respected and applauded it's it's hard it's a hard thing to decide um and and there's no real right or wrong answer here you know it's just it's interesting to watch i for me dislike wise there's almost nothing the one thing that holds this a little bit further back for me than something like Free Solo is that both of these guys, Alex Honnold and Mark Andre, and, and anybody that is like these guys is naturally socially awkward. Like, to an extreme. Honnold gets over that to the point where he is more bought in to the documentary, I think, than Mark Andre was. And Sometimes there's portions of this documentary where Marc Andre is the feature guy you're interviewing, and it's just, it's not enjoyable or engaging because you literally feel his anxiety and you almost feel bad about watching it. Like you just want him to get off screen because he is so uncomfortable. He does not want to be there. And so it's just a weird place that it put me in mentally. Um, you know, I just, I, ugh. so, not by all means, it's a nitpick, if anything. It's nothing like they could have changed. This is who he is. But it's just something that stuck out like a sore thumb to me at times. Was there anything in particular that you didn't like about it? I loved every bit of this film. There is nothing wrong with it. I wouldn't say it's perfect, but it doesn't have any blemishes. And this is something that is going to inspire a lot of people. And I will also caution people who want to judge and everything. Like, this is how this person chose to live their life. You don't have to live a life, live a life the way that he lived it in order to find meaning into it. Hey, there are some people out there who doing everyday things makes them help appreciate life. There are other people who want to go climb mountains or travel all around the world. That's helped us. That helps them appreciate life. So it's kind of like a one size fits all. You know, there's many layers, many dimensions that humans live life all across the world. But this is just one segment of it. And. It's inspirational, you know, if you want to take away the aspects of living without fear and taking risk and, you know, doing what you want to do and not fitting into a box. It's it's brilliant stuff. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm really glad that you enjoy it that much. And I, I definitely I mean, I could give you a long now. Maybe it's not a long list, but I could give you a, a pretty amazing short list of five or six similar documentaries to watch that will literally blow your mind. So okay. I'll have I'll have to do that. Uh this one is, I believe it's out in theaters now. So folks, you can get a chance to go see it right away. Um, I wouldn't expect it to be there that long as it is a very niche documentary. Um, and I, I'm going to just say I recommend beyond a doubt, I would have loved to catch this in a theater. I still have been thinking about trying to get out and go see it in a theater just because A, I'd love to support it and B, the visuals. When he's climbing, there's nothing like seeing this sucker when it's in a big, gigantic screen it it is the the photography is incredible the the fact that it's real and it's not tom cruise and cgi or whatever jumping i mean tom cruise just jump but you know there's no tricks here like 
it just puts it on a whole other level when you are that close to it, like you get in a theater experience. What do you think? Oh, I'm all the way in the same boat with you. Go see this in IMAX and just enjoy seeing uh, a real life figure who's out here doing the impossible, what seems to be impossible and making it look easy. All right. Well, that is it for us this week on FF Plus. We hope that you have found something that interests you. And we, as always, would love to hear what you think if you do see the films that we discussed. So you can always hit us up on Twitter at Feelin' Film and at Black Nerd Magic. You can join the Feelin' Film Facebook discussion group as well. There's a link to that in all of our episode show notes. And we would love to talk movies with you each and every day. We will be back soon, of course. But until then, keep feeling film. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Film, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places, and I'd love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. But be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.